0: So, we'll continue tonight before we go into question and answer session. So, um, we said, what makes the new covenant new? The first of the new covenant blessing is a complete and total forgiveness of sins. And the other blessings that we have in the scriptures um, include the gift of Christ's righteousness, includes the gift of Christ's holiness, and also includes his very life. These are the blessings that we get in the New Covenant. And then also, all these blessings um, testify of God's grace, which is one of the um, six ways we're going to talk about tonight. So the first one I told you on Sunday is that the New Covenant is a covenant of grace. Everybody say it together with me. said the New Covenant is the covenant of grace. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Let's have it on the screen. I think we'll use it at TPT. I told you about the Passion Translation. I don't know if you have it on your phones. I don't know if you have it. Okay, good. Download it, it's a nice translation to have. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Why, why is it not, why are you not switching to the verse? Any problem? Everybody read together. I want to go. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us. Look, see, when you read your Bible, notice the words that are being used. These are not just words to just fill up space. They are are important words. There's no no word that will just put there to fill up space. Every word matters. So when you read your Bible, don't speed read. Take your time and read the word. Digest it until it enters into your system. I'll read again. It says every spiritual blessing is... In the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us. That means, you know how you want to pour, you know how you want to beat with water? And you just open the shower. And the shower is just lavishing upon you. Notice the word, the word already. It didn't say every blessing in the heavenly realm is going to be lavished. Is that what your Bible says? It says it has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father. Oh, I like that. It says, the father of our Lord Jesus. If you are not sure of this father, is the father of our Lord Jesus. All because he sees us wrapped into Christ. Do you notice that? The reason why you are blessed today is not because you are nice. Hallelujah. The reason why you are, you are getting all the spiritual blessings is because you are wrapped up in Christ. You are wrapped into Christ. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, a new creature says, all things are passed away. He said, behold, see... All things have become new. So once you come into Christ, every blessing that Jesus has because of his father is also a portion to you in Christ. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at He said, This is why we celebrate him with all our hearts. You see that? When you understand, we have a revelation of what Christ has done for you. And you can enjoy all the beautiful things that Christ has done. Now, notice this. I told you it is a covenant of grace. Now, in the old law-based covenant, you will always reap what you sow. What, have you heard people say, what, what you sow is what you reap? Have you, that's it the right way. What you, what you reap is what you have sown. Is that correct? I mean, let's look at that for instance. If you sow mango seeds and you get apple, it's an error somewhere. You sow mango seeds, you get what? Come and talk to me. You get mango fruit. You sow apple, what do you get? You sow um, granite, what do you get? But if you sow, imagine if you sowed um, cashew nuts and then you came to your farm, and then you saw tomatoes. That means you sowed tomato seed. That's what it means. It but now, in the new covenant, the, the, the law of reaping and sowing is still the same. But there's a difference. The difference is this, that in the new, we reap what Christ has sown. Are you seeing that? We don't reap what we sow, because what we, what we, are, what we deserve is death. What we deserve is condemnation. What we deserve is hell. But when you come into Christ, what Christ has sown on your behalf, you reap it. You know, it's like a father who invested for his grandchildren. I don't know if you're getting it. Bible says that a wise father leaves inheritance for his great grandchildren. So the great grandchildren are born; they never worked before, but they are multi-millionaires. Why? Because they reaped what the grandfather or what the father sowed. That's what Christ did for us. So I reap what Christ sowed. So in the old, you did to get, but in the new. We get because Christ has already done it. You've got to understand this. And this is why grace and grace declares that, that everything is a gift. It's all a gift. Look, notice, go up, go up on this verse. I want to look at this, the, this, these blessings. These blessings are not rewards. They are love gifts. Everybody say love gift. You know, there's a difference between somebody giving you a gift and when somebody gives you a love gift. There are two different things. You're, I mean, anybody can give you a gift. And it can be the same gift. It can even be a pain. Somebody can give you a pain as a gift. But when somebody that loves you gives you a gift, it becomes a love gift. Are you seeing that? Verse 3. Just, just the same verse. I just said go up. Yeah, look at it. There's no up. Yeah, look at it. Look at the word there. Um, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been what? Everybody say lavished. That means it's in excess. It's excess love. Excess, lavished upon who? Who? Upon us. That's upon me. As a what? Love gift. So it's a love gift. Everybody say a love gift. So every spiritual blessing is ours in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Now number two, I said it is a covenant of rest. Everybody say it's a covenant of rest. In the old covenant, you are told to do, do, do. Before God will bless you. In the New Covenant, you are told that you are already blessed. Why? Because all things are done. So in the New Covenant, it is done, done, done. Everybody say it is done, done, done. So in the New Covenant, faith is a rest and not a walk. And it's only when we rest in the finished work of Calvary that God can begin his good work in our lives. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Look at, look at what the scripture says. It says, yes... He says, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment. And in every way, he will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Look at that. God God is willing to give you every grace you require. That's why, you see, when you come into Christ, you know, you can no longer be saying, I don't have this ability, I'm shy, I don't have this. You know, most of the time, God does not look at your natural gift before he's going to use you. It doesn't matter whether you're a shy person. God can pick you as a preacher. And God will give you the grace you require to achieve the responsibility that he has given unto you. Praise the Lord. So that's what God does. So God will always give us gifts. As required. If it got caught into a mission, for instance, God will give you all the grace required. So your job is to receive that grace. Don't try to end that grace. Don't try to walk that grace. Just receive it. Glory to His name. <laughs> all right. So this is wonderful. So the old covenant was characterized by um, ceaseless work in a pursuit of holy demands that could never be met. But in the new covenant is rest and peace in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the new covenant. Is of rest and peace in the Holy Spirit. So, the job of a new Christian believer is to labor to enter into his rest. The Bible says that they that have entered into the rest of God have ceased from their labors. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews. Well, so you have to labor to enter that rest. What's what that telling you? Labor to have revelation of what you have in Christ. That's the job. Because most of the time, people have $10 million in their account, but they have no clue. All they thought they had is $100. So you have to labor to get that information. Because once you know that you have $10 million, what are you going to do next? You will work out every possibility to enjoy that money. (laughs) Glory to God. Now look at this one now. I want to show you something. Notice the difference between the old covenant and new covenant. Put it on the screen now for me. Look at this. The old covenant says... If you listen, everybody say, if you listen. Or oh, let me put it this way. In the Old Covenant, it's always, if you do, if you do, if you do, if you observe my commands, if you do this, then this will happen to you. In the New Covenant, is it is done. Everybody say, it is done. Now, the New Covenant says, if you listen, then you will be forgiven. You know, it, if, Even Jesus preached a portion of the old, old Testament, like when he talked about forgiveness. He said, if you don't forgive your neighbor, so your heavenly father will not forgive you. Do you remember that? When you're sitting on the mount. So that means your forgiveness of sin is tied to you forgiving others. If you don't forgive others, God's not going to forgive you your sin. So if you owe debt of others, that means God will not forgive your debt. Are you following? But in the new, it's different. In the new, Paul says that as Christ has forgiven you, he says forgive others. So the new is that we forgive others because Christ has forgiven us. While that means we're not trying to end forgiveness, we're not trying to get it, we already have it and then we distribute forgiveness. Say, I'm a forgiveness distributor. That way, it doesn't matter what somebody has done to you, you can forgive them. If you cannot forgive them, then you don't yet know how much of your sins have been forgiven by Jesus Christ. Because when you come to understand the level of your, fo- of the, of the, of your debt that you owe God, there's nothing anybody will do to you in this life that you cannot forgive them. You know, one time, a prostitute came to meet Jesus, and the woman took her alabaster box. No, there, and alabaster box then was like a perfume. Now, that perfume, hmm? you need to work 6 months in those days to gather the money to buy that perfume. It's like buying like um, a perfume of like Creed Aventus. I of you know Creed Aventus. And that or you buy um, what is that perfume again? There's some perfumes that when you hear the price 200,000, one small 90 ml bottle. 200,000 to just spray. Yeah? So imagine taking that perfume and spraying it on the feet of Jesus. And then and for that matter, a prostitute for that matter. So, so the question is, where does he get that money from? Sinful money. So the woman was there washing her hair and dusting her feet. And just, you know, worshipping Jesus there. And then a Pharisee said in his heart, said, if this man is truly a prophet, he should know that this woman is a sinner. And Jesus, who knows all things, who can read the heart of men, said to Simon. He said, Simon, I want to ask you a question. There was one man. Um, somebody was owing him $5,000. Follow very carefully. Somebody was owing him $5,000. The other guy was owing him fifty million million. And both of them came and said they cannot pay the money anymore. The one with $5,000 said, I can't pay anymore, girl. The other one said, $50 million too. I don't have to even pay any shishi. Then the king, because of his graciousness, forgave them both. Now Jesus asked Simon a question. He says, which among the two will love the master more? Well, your answer. Come on, talk to me now. Which of the two will love the master more? The one with the larger amount. He said, Now, nah, he said, that, Look at this woman. He said, Her sins are forgiven much. Therefore, she will love much. So, those who don't love the Lord more is because they don't know how much their sins are truly and really forgiven in Christ. They still think that there's some level of degree of holiness or righteousness that they have before God. But the Bible says all of our righteousness are like cow dung. They are stinking rags before God. And in Christ, Jesus Christ did not come to make bad people good. Somebody say, why do bad things happen to good people? It's even a wrong question in the first place because there's none that is good. <laughs> Hello? So Jesus Christ did not come to make bad people good. Like I always say this all the time. If I take you to a graveyard and I showed you two dead bodies, and I tell you that this one just died four seconds ago. And I say, this one died four months ago. And I ask you, which one is more dead? Talk to me. Which one is more dead? You are dead, you are dead. There's no, there are no degrees of deadness. Whether you are dead 10 months, dead 5 years, dead 40 years, or dead four seconds, you are dead, you're dead. In Christ, we were dead now. our trespasses and now, but now he has made us alive in Christ. Glory to God. So on, when it comes to the grace of God, we are all on the same level. doesn't matter what the person did or what he didn't do. You are all the same. You were born a sinner. You are not a sinner because you sinned. You are a sinner because of one man's disobedience. And that's what produced the sin nature in you. A goat is a goat. Whether he behaves like a goat or doesn't behave like a goat, he's still a goat. Why? Because of his nature. So if you want a goat to become a dog, what do you do? You change the nature of, a, of the goat. He may still look like a goat, but as long as his nature has changed, very soon you start seeing teeth, sharp teeth coming out. Very soon his hair will start to change. Very soon, you start having long ears. I'm telling you, very soon, he will start barking like a real dog. Because the nature has been changed. The engine has been changed. Glory to God. So in Christ, we, we are not renovated. Say I'm not renovated. Say I'm not a refurbished. Uh-huh. We are recreated. That means the old man is dead. Now a new man has come into Christ. When you are coming to Christ, you are as new, brand new, church's motto. Glory to God. Now, the old covenant says, if you look, if you look, do you remember the, do you remember when Moses said to the people that if you can look at the bronze, if you look, you will be healed. Do you remember that? In the new covenant, what does Peter say? Peter says, by his stripes, you were healed. Glory to God. Say, I'm healed. And the question is, you were healed. So, it's a past tense. So, God's not trying to heal you. God has already done it. Glory to God. Now, in the old covenant, he says, if you bring, if you bring, then you'll be blessed. In the New Covenant, it is you are blessed. I just read one to you. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, Old Covenant says, if you follow, if you follow, New Covenant says you are righteous. Say, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. Say, I am righteous. I am right. Read to right hand and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> you know, it said come Command tells you, oh, you are not righteous. You are very, very unrighteous. Tell him. I know your end. I know your end. Damnation is your portion. See, you've you've got to attack words with words. When Satan was attacking Jesus with words, he didn't keep quiet. He talked back at him. You know when he said, um, "You know what? Just worship me. I'll give you everything you want." <laughs> Jesus said, "No, no, 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 no." Jesus replied him with scripture. That way, you have to you have to know the gospel. Glory to God. Next one, he says, "If you if you pay attention, if you pay attention." You pay attention. But the Bible, but new covenant says you are holy. Say I'm holy. I'm holy. Say it again. Say I'm holy. I'm holy. Old covenant says if you make. If you make. New covenant says you are mighty. Say I'm mighty. <laughs> Glory to God. New covenant says. Old covenant says if you obey. If you obey. New covenant says you are accepted in the beloved. Say I am accepted before God. I am accepted. Old covenant says if you disobey. If you disobey, new covenant says you are loved. See, I'm loved by God. If God loves you, who is there in this world not to love you? Glory to God. The owner of the universe loves you. And he is my father. Glory to God. Number three is a new covenant of new life. Everybody say new life. Old covenant preaching will make you stupid and harden your heart to the goodness of God. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 14. It says their minds. Look at it. I want you. This thing I'm showing you are very important because sometimes people, people do not understand this. The old covenant. There's a reason why God gave the old covenant. Look at it. The old covenant will make your minds closed and hardened. Bible says their minds were closed and hardened. For even to this day, the same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the words former covenants. Next. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. That means until you come into Christ, your heart will be hardened. Hardened. And you'll be so stupid because you have to labor and labor and labor before God can give you anything. But in the gospel, it doesn't work that way. Glory to God. I said, Glory to God. So, but new covenant preaching removes the veil. So, so our purpose as as pastors and ministers is to remove the veil. Remove the veil by preaching the gospel. We remove the veil and reveal the Lord's glory. Second Corinthians chapter three verse eighteen. Okay, drop drop down to the to the last verse. Second Corinthians three. Look at it. Everybody read on the on the on the screen. Want to go close to Him with the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil, we all become like mirrors who would brightly reflect the glory of our Lord Jesus. He says we are being transfigured into the very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So the life of the Christian is from glory to glory. Say my life is from glory to glory. Say my life is upward and forward only. (laughs) Say it again. Say my life is from glory to glory. Say my life is from grace to grace. That's the life of the so, but you see, this will only happen to you. Look at it, look at It does go up. Let me show you something in the previous look at it. He says, he says from the beginning again, verse 18. He says, We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. How? And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of God. That means when you look at Jesus, oh, I like this one. When you look at Jesus in the mirror, what is the mirror? The mirror are the scriptures. Remember, the scripture is about God the Father. It's about his son. It's about the spirit. And it's also about you. So in scripture, you also see yourself. Are you following? When you stand in the mirror, who do you see? You see you, right? But guess what? When you stand at the mirror of God's word, the Bible says that you see the glory of God. That, That tells you that you are the glory of God. Say, I am the glory of God. Look at it. It says... When we look at that mirror, he says, says, says that our glory now begins to brighten, brighten, brighten. Do you, let me, let me tell you a mystery. Do you remember what happened to Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration? Where he, he was, he became so bright that even, even Peter, James and just said, ah, master, let's stay in this place. Let's just build a tent for you, for Moses and Elijah. There's no better place than this. Why? Because he was transfigured. That means a glory was revealed from his life. Guess what? Do you know that that same experience can happen to us even till today? How? When we spend time speaking in tongues. When you speak in tongues for long, your spirit begins to glow. You what I'm telling Are you what I'm telling you? Your spirit begins to glow. And the more extended period of time you spend speaking in tongues, the more extended that, that glow continues. It's like, it's like it's, I don't know kind of bulb that just, as you charge it more, it gives more power. It just gets brighter and brighter and brighter. That's what happens. As when you spend time in the revelation of the scriptures of Jesus Christ, your spirit begins to grow. So that means the same transfiguration that happened to Jesus will happen to you too as well. That's what it means. And you get brighter. But once you stop receiving revelation, once you stop spending time speaking in tongues, it will start to dim, dim, and get dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. That's what happens. It's like low battery. Everybody say low battery. (laughs) Like when your phone begins to dim because the battery is not there anymore. So this same glory happens to us as we look at the mirror of God. The word of God is the mirror of God. Say the word of God is the mirror of God. So under the old, under the old, the best of us hope for self improvement that never lasts. But in the new, you become new. Second Corinthians chapter three, chapter five or seventeen. Second Corinthians. Chapter 5 or 17. Look at this. He says, now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, not around Christ, not for Christ. No, Some people are for Christ, but they are not in Christ. Some people are around Christ, but they are not in Christ. Because Christ is a person, and Christ is also a place. So Christ is a spiritual location, and Christ is also a person. So what he's talking about here, he says, if anyone is in Christ's location and Christ's person, he says, he has become an entirely new person. Look at the scriptures. So, in Christ, we are not refurbished. We are not remanufactured. We are entirely new. He says, all that is related to the old order. Everybody say old order. That means old nature has vanished. Behold. I didn't say the word there. Behold. Everybody say everything is fresh and new. Say, my life is fresh and new. Say it again. Say, my life is fresh and new. So you're a brand new person with a new heart and a new spirit. Glory to God. So you are born of the spirit. So you are, no more, you are no longer a prisoner of sin. Once you are born into Christ, you have left a prison to enter another prison. So it's a prison of sin to a prison of righteousness. That's what the book of Romans tells us. So we are prisoners of righteousness. We are no longer prisoners of sin. Let me explain the power of this thing. In the prison of sin, hmm? There's nothing you can do to undo to bring yourself out of that prison. Do you know that? If you like kill yourself, you are seeing the prison of sin. If you like give all your life to the Pope, you are seeing the prison of sin. If you like be a charity worker, do good for mankind, you are seeing the prison of sin. Nothing you can do can undo that, and every one of us understands that. That's why we tell people we say, "Come to Christ." We tell we lead them to Christ. We tell, we tell them to say these words after us, and they come into Christ. Guess what? Once you come into Christ. Like, guess what happens? The power of God breaks you from this prison but transfers you to another prison. <laughs> you see, when people are transferred from prison A to another senior prison, so you are being transferred to a new prison. Now, in this new prison, it's called the prison of righteousness. Now, in this prison, there's nothing you can do also that can undo your state like this prison. It's the part many don't understand. So, in Christ, you are not righteous because you did something right. No. You are righteous first because you are in the prison of sin. And the reason why you are righteous is because of one mass obedience, which is Jesus Christ. In the same way, we were sinners without any doing any sin. We are sinners because of one mass disobedience. So there's nothing we can do to undo it until we put our faith in Christ. Now, once we receive salvation, we are transferred to a new prison. And in this prison now, we are made righteous. Glory to God. That says we are made, because Jesus Christ was made to be seen for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So So that's my new location. In Christ. Say it again. Say that's my new location. In Christ. Say I'm a prisoner of Christ. Say I'm a prisoner of righteousness. Yes. So that's where we are now. And guess what? We are now joint heirs with Christ. You know what that means? Bible said that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. How many of you know about joint account? Have you heard about it before? What does joint account mean? Joint account means that 100 is not 50-50. Are you following? Joint account is not 50-50. It is 100-100. That means 100% belongs to me. 100% belongs to the the other party. What does that tell you? It tells you that whatever belongs to Christ also belongs to me. Glory to God. You must have this revelation. So as Christ is, so am I. So question, you ask yourself, is Christ poor? Therefore, poverty does not belong to me. You see that? Is Christ going through depression? Depression has no place in my life. Because once you see what Christ has and what belongs to him, then you know what you have. You know your own rights. So you've got to know your rights in Christ. Hallelujah. Now the fourth one is a covenant of union. Everybody say covenant of union. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. In the old covenant, God lived in a temple you could never enter. You know, like, let me explain. Imagine this was the tabernacle of Moses, right? They have what they call the outer court. So outer court is the outside part of, the, of this building now, right? Then this place where you are now is the inner court. Are you following? Then, let's say we caught this stage now. we we'll cover it. black. Nobody can enter. It's the holies of holies. That was where the ark of the covenant was sitting. With the sheriff with, with the angels on top of it, and the, and the table of showbread, sure it was all there. Guess what? In this holies of holies, you dare not go there. You know why? Once you enter the Lord's presence, are you a sinner? You are dying immediately, instant death. It's not a joke, because God cannot be. God is too holy to be a sin. Not a joke. Once you step in, dead. Even a priest that was holy used to die. So what happened is now, guess what? When the person dies inside that place. How will you not carry the dead body? Because even the people that want to pack dead body, to want their sinners, they follow. And then they want to pack till they follow. So you know what they did? They were very smart. They tied chains to the priest. So the chain, big chain, like as if it's a dog entering into the chain. And the, and, the, and the priest only enters there once a year. Not every time, once a year. Once to offer the sins for Israel for one year. So he goes into the tied chain. From outside, you will start moving. Moving. It's <laughs> hard to say, God, let God accept this sacrifice. If not, we are finished for the next one year. If that was that serious it was. So, the priest will go in. If the priest offers the sacrifice, if God accepts that offering, they are going home. That, that year is year of jubilee. They will celebrate and celebrate that this year is year of blessings. But if the priest dies, they will pull the chain out of the dead body. And that year is going to be sufferings. So, in the Old Covenant, God is to live inside buildings. God lived in temples. So, God was living there. Guess what? Verse 16. In the New. Look what happened in the New. It says, don't you know that you yourself are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your, in, in your midst? It says, don't you know, don't you know that the spirit of God dwells in your midst? Do I have another translation? TPT. Let me show you. From TPT. It says, Don't you realize that together you have become God's inner sanctuary and that the spirit of, and that the spirit of God makes his temporal home in you. Is that what it's on your Bible? What do you see there? Permanent home. What does permanent home mean? Come on, talk to me. What does permanent home mean? That means the Holy Spirit is with me two, four, seven. Seven days a week. 52 weeks in a year. He's always with me. He has made his home permanent in me. What does that tell you? This is the same God of Moses. He has not changed. What does that say about you? Because God cannot live in any temple that is not holy. Hello? What does that tell you? Okay, maybe you don't still understand it. Let me come down and explain. Maybe you don't still understand it. Do you remember when Moses was in the bush? He saw a tree burning with fire. But he noticed that the tree was not being consumed. Guess what now happened? Moses came close to the place. and And he heard a voice. A voice came out of the tree. And said, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. For where you stand is holy ground. Are you following? So ground, not being holy. Hold on. One time, Joshua was about to go for war. And then Joshua saw a man with his son drawn like this. He didn't know it was God. So he said, who are you? Are you for us or against us? Then the man said to him, he says, I am the captain of the host of the Lord. I am the, I am the chief captain. That was the Holy Spirit right there with him, with his sword drawn. And the man told him, he says, take off your shoes for where you stand this holy ground. Notice, they already were taught that they should never worship an angel. So you don't worship angels. Angels are your servant. Can you say amen? So if it's an angel, Joshua will never answer that request. In fact, an angel would not even demand that from him in the first place. But this man said, take off your shoes for where you stand is holy ground. I'm sure he was taught by Moses the same words that Moses told him. And guess what? Joshua took off his shoes and he worshiped God. Question I want to ask you. How did the ground become holy? What did the ground do to become holy ground? Answer the question. What did the ground manufacture for God to say that this ground is very Holy. Because Moses has been walking on that ground for only God knows how long. And one day, God showed up there and said, this ground has been, why? Because holiness is a state. Holiness is a condition. Once God comes on anything, that thing becomes holy. Right. So if God comes on this envelope right now, this envelope becomes a holy envelope. So for the very fact that the Holy Spirit now is, has made his permanent home in you, tells you that you are holy forever. Say, I'm holy forever. And you've got to know who you are in Christ. Because God has come, now God has left that temple of, of, of in the Old Covenant. Now, the inner sanctuary is now inside you. So, when you are, see, that's the reason why when you understand a new covenant, your prayer will change. Things like, let's bring down the presence of God. Let's bring it down. Down from where? Don't you know that the same God in the inner court has made his permanent home in you, don't you realize it? That everywhere you go, he goes together with you. Hallelujah. Say, God's home is in me. (laughs) Say, I'm God's house. (laughs) Say, I'm God's house. Say it again. Say, I'm God's house. That's who you are in Christ. In Christ, you have become God's inner sanctuary. So now God lives in you. It's not a joke. These are serious words here. Because um, and Paul is even saying, he says, don't you know don't you realize? And you expect that you should know. Says, "Don't you know? You are behaving like people who don't know." God is in you; His permanent home. I told you I like TPT. The, the Church of God is just beautiful. Permanent home in you. Hallelujah! So this idea that the Holy Spirit will live and come—no, that's not the gospel. In the gospel, Jesus says, "I am my Father." He said, "Will come to you. I will make our abode in you." He didn't lie, and the Holy Spirit has confirmed that. And guess what? I told you last week, Sunday. As long as the Holy Spirit is in you, it tells you that the Holy Spirit is the down payment. And it tells you that the Lord is still in this place, active and present. It is the Holy Spirit that brings to you the presence of God and the presence of the Father. Right where we are. Glory to God. So anywhere you are, the presence of God is there, but it may not be active. Are you following? Revelation will make it active. Revelation will make it active. But it's right there with you, in your midst. First John chapter 4, verse 17. And now that you are in Christ, okay, no, no, let's, you, okay. Where, which, what, where are we now? Well, in a, in the covenant of union, right? Did I tell you that, number four? is a covenant of union, okay. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10. Sorry, 1 John four seventeen. He said, this is how love is made complete among us. So that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. For the Christian, on the day of judgment, say, I have confidence. Some people say, don't worry, on judgment, we'll know the people. No, listen, there are different types of judgment. There is what is called the white throne judgment, and there is what is called the judgment seat of Christ. Many people don't know in their Bibles. There are two judgments. The white throne judgment is for all non-Christians. The judgment seat of Christ is only for Christians. And now, this judgment seat is not to judge sin, but to judge your faithfulness to the assignment and the responsibility that God gave to you on the earth—that's where we get rewards. So you did this part, this part, then you will have your place in eternity. But it's not—it's not a judgment seat to judge sin. The white throne judgment—all of them are condemned already. Hallelujah! In the seat of Christ, you are being judged for the service and your work that you are doing for the Lord on the earth. That's what we are being judged for. But that means all those people are already in heaven. Do you understand? <laughs> Somebody said, I'd rather be a gatekeeper. You don't understand that in Christ, you're not a gatekeeper, you're a son. Say, I'm a son of God. Say, I'm a son of God. Don't be a gatekeeper, be a son. Be who you are. You are God's son, you are God's daughter. Hallelujah, glory to God. So, um, second, um, Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. Colossians 2 verse 10. He says, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Oh, TPT. TPT TPT explains this better. Okay. NIV doesn't really doesn't really communicate what the words I want to be seen there. Give me in TPT. In Christ, He says you have been brought to full. Look at it. Everybody read. Want to go? And our own completeness is now found in Him. Uh huh. Hey 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 hey! Did you see that? He says we are completely filled with God. As Christ's fullness overflows within us. Say I'm completely filled with God. Say it again. Say I'm completely filled with God. See, that's why when you start using words like, Father, give me more power. More anointing. More. More anointing. More power. Eh? You don't understand this verse. You don't. The Bible says that we are completely filled with God. The question is, you don't even know that you are filled in the first place. That's why you are asking for something. The only thing that we can get more of in the new covenant is more grace and more peace. That's the only thing. Nothing like more faith. Oh God, give me more faith. Oh God, if I can just have more faith in you, more faith in you. You know what, you know what Jesus reply When you ask God for more faith, you know what Jesus will say to you? Jesus will say, if your faith can be as a grain of mustard seed, it can move mountains it can pluck three out of the ground and send them, send them off to Iraq. Mustard seed faith is all you need. <laughs> so we say, no. My faith is so... How many of you have seen sugar before? A cube of sugar? Hello, talk to me now. Okay, now when you go back home, remove one grain of sugar, just one grain. Look at that grain of sugar. Jesus said if your faith is as small as that, it's enough to move a mountain. So question is, that means every one of us have that measure of faith. Am I correct? So why is your faith not moving mountains? Why? Why do you think it's not moving mountains? Why do you think it's not moving mountains? Because Jesus said that faith can move mountains. That's what he said. Because one time, the disciples asked Jesus in the book of Acts. No. Um, in the, Yeah, in the book of um, Matthew or so. Or Mark, Matthew, Matthew. Mark, he asked them. And, and, and Peter said, Master, increase our faith. Increase. You can search in your Bible. He says, increase our faith. And Jesus said, if your faith is as little as a mustard seed, you will talk to this more berry tree to move and to move. Because in Christ, we are completely filled with God. Say, I'm completely filled with God. Say it again. Say, I'm completely filled with God. So you don't need more faith, more anointing, more of God. That's Old Testament, Old Covenant thinking. That's Old Covenant thinking. Because in Christ you are complete. Bible says our completeness is found in Christ. You see that? Now, if, you, if, we, if that one didn't still catch you. 1 John chapter 4 verse 17. 1 John chapter 4 verse 17. 1 John 4 17. Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Say, I have, say it together with me. Lift your right hand and say it together with me. Say, as Christ is, so am I. Say, as Christ is, so am I. Say, Christ is not sick, therefore I reject sickness in my life. Say, Christ is not broke, therefore I reject brokenness in my life. Say, Christ is full of wisdom, therefore I am full of wisdom. Say, I walk in wisdom. You get it now? You catch it now? That's a revelation. That's how you talk. So, you, you, so you've got to know, what does Christ have? What does he possess? You have the same because you are joint heirs with Christ. You have a joint account with Christ. <laughs> That's why there's nothing like lack in my life. Because there's nothing I cannot get. Are you getting the revelation? So it's not about how much money do you have in your account. The question is about how much of grace do you have? You see that? There's what is called grace rates. Hallelujah. The forex market can be increasing the rate as they like. But we have grace rates. So the question is, what is your grace rates? <laughs> Glory to God. Because your grace can increase. Your grace can be increased. And the level of grace will function is the level you see in your life. So that's the reason. So as Christ is, so am I in this world. So you've got to acknowledge all the good things that God has put in your life. Number five. It is a covenant that can never, never break. It's a covenant that can never break. Glory to God. I think I explained that already on Sunday. So now number six. It is a covenant that reveals your father's heart. It is a covenant that reveals your father's heart. And your father, look at, let me, maybe many of you don't know this. Why is it that God gave the Ten Commandments? Who knows? Today's Tuesday, vibe, so I'll give you my answer. Who, who can tell me why God gave the Ten Commandments? Because many people have no clue. They just thought that God just said, let me give them law now. Because remember, Abraham lived without law. No law. Enoch lived without law. God didn't give him any rules and regulations. God didn't give him any law. Abraham didn't have any law. So how did these men live righteous? Isaac didn't have any law. Jacob didn't have any law. Adam didn't have any law until um, Moses. In fact, when the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea, there was no law. Until they got to Mount Sinai. Why do you think God gave them Ten Commandments? Who knows? You can answer. Talk. Yeah, I understand that part but why you think that do, or, do, why? that was no, that's what you do okay who has any any idea that's a nice answer go ahead right answer look at it Exodus chapter 19 verse 8 jam me to get up for her that's the best answer um exodus chapter 19 verse 8 let me show you put it on the screen the throne of Israel When they got to Mount Sinai, you know what they told God? All the while, God has been blessing them based on his faithfulness. God has been delivering them from the evil ones based on his faithfulness, based on his promises they made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Are you following? When the children of Israel got to Mount Sinai, you know what they told God? They said, God, eh? we are tired of you giving us things based on your faithfulness. Now, we want to start any things. Based on our faithfulness. Tell us what to do. We will do it and keep it. God said, hey. So you want rules and regulations? God said, no problem. Moses, come up. Put it on the screen. I'm still waiting. He said, Moses, come up to Mount Sinai. Then Moses came up. God spoke out. The first thing, thou shalt not. Exodus 20. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not. Just ten. Just ten rules. The Bible says, the first day. Of obeying the ten laws, three thousand people died. They one, what do you think we'll continue for the other days? <laughs> Look at it. Everybody read verse 8. Want to go? Uh-huh. We will do everything the Lord has asked. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. So he said, God, they said we'll do everything there. No problem. Let's give them to God. That was that's what happened. And because God is so merciful and gracious. Now, in to introduce Leviticus, Leviticus is a very beautiful book. How many of you know that? Some of you are ready for and say, what kind of book is this one? That book is one of the best books of the Bible. You know why? Because when you see, that's why you see, until you see Christ in the scriptures, the scriptures have no meaning. It's like newspaper. Because every portion of that scripture reveals Christ to us. How that God began to do what is called exchange, substitution. How that an animal can die in your place, can exchange your place. So I'm a sinner, and the animal is righteous, I'll bring the animal, animal will die in my place, I'll be alive. If not, the entire human race will have been gone. Even Moses failed. Remember, Moses sinned against God, he did not enter the promised land. How many of you know that? As good as he was, why? Because God said, speak to the rock. He spoke, he spoke the first time, water came out. Guess what? Second time, God said, speak to the rock because of anger. He just carrying powers. God said, you are not entering. You know why? Because Moses wanted to destroy the typology of God. Christ is only to be beaten once. The next time you speak words. Moses want to change. God said, you are not entering from this land. You want to destroy my typology? I'm trying to use to explain. Because the old covenant is a shadow of things to come. Glory to God. Because in Christ, Christ is to suffer once. Die once and then Glory. Not die twice. So Christ will not die for sin again. He will not die for any sin because he's done it all. Glory to God. So how do we test whether you understand the new covenant or not? Let's compare the old covenant and new covenant based on law and grace. Put it on the screen for me now. Let's look at it. This thing is very small. Can you see it? You can see it? Okay. So I've I also put the scriptures there. Well, I don't, We don't have the time to read all these scriptures. So you have to snap it and read at home by yourself. Look at this. Um, in the Old Covenant, based on law and grace, based, the Old Covenant was based on law. The New Covenant is based on, everybody say grace. Now we are in the dispensation of grace. That's the mission we're living now, in Christ. Now, is a ministry, in the Old Covenant, is a ministry that was inferior, obsolete, useless, for dealing with sin, a mere shadow. In the new covenant, it's a ministry that is superior, effective, remedy for sin, and it has the lasting reality. In the old covenant, it makes people condemned and it kills them. That's what the scripture says. Bible called it the ministry of death and condemnation. It says it was engraved in stones. What was engraved in stones? Ten commandments. Bible calls it the ministry of death and condemnation. Somebody say, let's cram 10 commandments. God said, that's ministry of death and condemnation. Why do you want to cram it? But the new covenant gives new life. Say, I have new life in Christ. Amen. The old covenant mediated, was mediated by slaves. Remember, Moses was a slave to God. Hello? Everybody we'll say, I'm a servant of God. If you're saying you're a servant of God, as somebody who is a preacher of the gospel, that is okay. But if you see yourself as a servant of God, God does not need servants. Hello? God needs sons. God needs daughters. So, in the new covenant, you are free. Hallelujah. You see, when you see the apostles use words like they are servants of Christ, they are not saying that they are serving, like are serving place. No, they are saying that they are servants because they are serving God by preaching the gospel. So, as long as you are bringing others into the kingdom of God, then God can accept that servanthood that you are doing. But if your servanthood is something else that is not this one, then there's a problem. That means you have gone back to his sleeve. In the Old Covenant, there were sleeves. Now, the Old Covenant presented their flaws. Flawed men. It presented their fails. But in the New Covenant, it presents the Son of Man. Praise the Lord. In the Old Covenant, sin has um, in Mount Sinai, it had a burning place of terror. But in the New Covenant, sin has in, in Mount Zion, is a heavenly place of joy. Glory to God. Now, in the old covenant, when it comes to the payment of sin, there's power, it has power over you. But in the new covenant, no power over you anymore. Say, I'm dead to sin. Say it again, say, I'm dead to sin. Now, the next one, it says repentance. In the old covenant, repentance is required, it requires an endless cycle of sacrifices. In the old covenant, every one, at least every one year, you must repeat, you must pay rent for forgiveness of sins. That what they did in the Old Covenant, you had to pay rent every year. How many of you pay rent? In every, once, the, once the time is getting close, will start saying rent money. That's what they were doing. So there's always a reminder. A reminder of sin all the time. But the New Covenant is no longer required and God keeps no record of sin. The Bible says, your sins and your lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Next. Is that all? All right. Now, in the Old Covenant, faith is a law. But in the new covenant, faith is given to you. Bible says we have the faith. I have the faith of Christ. Come on, say, Say, have the faith of Christ. The faith of Christ. Now, in the, in the old covenant, um, change, change happens when you make an effort and stick to it in the new covenant. Change happens when you behold the glory of Jesus Christ. As you see Christ, you become that very image that you see as that change happens. In the old covenant, righteousness was demanded of you. In the new, it is given to you. You see that? In the old covenant, you get blessed only if you obey. In the new covenant, you are blessed because Christ obeyed. Deuteronomy 28 All those blessings are for you in Christ. Glory to God. Because Christ has obeyed for you. Now, in the old covenant, to f- the, when, when somebody says, to fear the Lord is to fear his anger and destruction, God is a consuming fire. Now, in the new covenant, the fear of the Lord is to worship him. Listen, Jesus was the one that defined to us what the fear of God is. You can see it. He defined fear of God as worship of God. So, how do you fear God? You fear God by worshiping him. How to fear God? By referencing him. Are you following? Are you following? All right, now, when it comes to the Old covenant, obedience is keeping the rules, keeping the rules, keeping the regulations. In the new covenant, obedience is a fruit of love. Isn't that nice? So that means in, in Christ, you are not struggling to obey. You just do the word because it's your nature. Are you seeing that? A dog doesn't struggle to bark. He only learns to bark. Now listen, in Christ, right, we are all righteous at the same level. Bishop Oedipu is, is not more righteous than you. Are you following? But the difference between both of you is growth. Just imagine it will give birth to a child today and you say that this child is not a child because a child cannot walk. Is he half human because he's a baby? He's not. He's as human as you. The only difference between the baby and you is growth. So once the baby grows, he'll become like you. That's the difference between us in Christ. So some people have revelation, some don't. Some refuse to have. <laughs> All right. So in the old covenant, eternity, security hangs on your faithfulness. In the new covenant, it hangs on God's faithfulness. In the old covenant, you are a servant or a sinner. In the new covenant, you are God's beloved son and your God God's beloved daughter. Praise God. In the old covenant, God is a scary George. They always saw him as a scary George. But in the new covenant, he's a loving father. Say God is a loving father. <laughs> Next one. Anyone again? That's all. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Okay, so I'll stop here tonight. Jam your hands <laughs> together for the Lord Jesus. Any questions tonight? Before we close. Any questions tonight? Who has questions? Anybody has question? If you don't have a question, I'll ask you a question. Who has? Manu, do you have a question? Yeah, give me the mic.
1: Amen. Um, um, I read through my Bible and then I came across where Angel Michael fought the devil over the body of Moses. Of Moses yeah. And then before then there were others who did not see dead. Like who? Enoch. Okay. Elijah. Uh-huh. And so my question is aside these four persons, because the Bible did not record to us if the body was brought back to the earth or not. Jesus left with his body, Enoch did, and Elijah did. So, four, people, four human bodies left. Hopefully, it's in heaven. Yes. Is it possible that these bodies are still in heaven, except the, um, the place of Jesus now? That these three people, I said, okay, adding up to the Moses too. Because his spirit has departed, but they still took the body. My first question is, what is the reason for taking the body? Then my second question is, why is this remaining to Elijah and Enoch? transit with their human body.
0: Oh, that's, that's a wonderful question. Guy is reading his Bible. Any other question again? That's the only question for tonight. Some of you, you, are, you have questions. Until when I point to him. Because the spirit of God took them to put. the have questions. I know all of you that have questions. But <laughs> well, I don't have that time. All right. Now let's talk about how many of you know Moses and Elijah. Who knows Moses and Elijah? All right. How many of you know that Elijah did not die? You know that Elijah's body was taken up by what? How many of you saw Elijah taken off by a chariot of fire? Who are who saw him? Who knows? Only Elijah saw. Only Elijah saw him. The rest didn't see. Are you following? What about Moses? Did Moses die? Did Moses die? Huh? Eh? Which one is kind of? Did he die? He died. But something that happened. What happened? Satan, an angel came from heaven to take his body. Are you following? To take his body. And of course there was war. Because Satan didn't want that to happen. And then the angel had to use her high authority to rebuke Satan. And say, I rebuke you in the name of the Lord. Before he let him free and then he took the body. There's a reason why. Because Moses and Elijah represent two important things that were required for the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. Now what does Moses represent? Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. The prophet of all prophets is who? Elijah. The law, the lawyer of all lawyers is Moses. You see that? Because there are other laws, but Moses is the major. Um, Jesus, um, El- Elijah also represented something very important. And because Christ had not yet died, right? They don't have a renewed body. So God had to ensure that they have to still use this. Because even Elijah's body now has been transformed. I'll explain that in a moment. So God has to still use this, their same body. This, their dead, sinking body. And preserve it for that time to come when Jesus will have the transfiguration. Remember the transfiguration, who and who appeared to, to Jesus? Only Elijah, only Moses. Why? Because these were, the, these, were, these were the first people who actually had their bodies in heaven. Because Moses' body was actually taken to heaven too as well. The same with Elijah to, to heaven as well. So both of them had their human body, right with the Lord in heaven. So at that point in time, Jesus, God was able to bring them back to the earth for that period of time. Why? Because Jesus was the end of the prophets and the end of the law. God was trying to show that Elisha, Elijah, and Moses all bow to Jesus. Jesus is the end. Bible says in the last days. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Put it on the screen for me from TPT. Hebrews 1 3. I'll show you something. Bible says that in the in 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 time past, God spoke to us by prophets. Prophet Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elisha, all they say, but in these last days, he speaks to us only by his son. So, it doesn't matter what Moses said. If Jesus says something different, follow Jesus' On Leave Moses' own. I seen that. Because the Bible says that Moses was a schoolmaster. To bring us to Christ. Only, so, Moses was a servant. Jesus was a son. So, who are, so, if a servant says, don't open that door. And the son says, open that door. Who are you going to follow? You say, but Moses said it. Moses said it. Who are you going to follow? You follow the son. Because the sun is higher than the servant. So the Bible says the sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. No, verse 1 actually. Because this one is the experience showing how Jesus mirrors God. Verse 1. Verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. It says, throughout our history, God has spoken in our, by, to, our to our ancestors by, by his prophets, In many different ways. You see that? The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at the time. He says, building one truth upon another. So they were all fragments. He says, but to us living in these last days. He says, God now. Everybody says, God now. Speaks to us openly in the language of who? His son. He says, the appointed heir of everything. So the owner has come. We've got to listen to Christ. So the typology for us to understand that the law and the prophets all surrender to Jesus. Jesus is the head of all law and all prophets. Glory to God. So Jesus he ended the era of the prophet, ended the era of the law. Glory to God. Any other question? All right, go ahead. Please mark my time today. We're finishing seven. Once it's seven, once seven fifty-five, we're stopping.
1: Revelation 7. Chapter eleven, verse three, and I will give power unto Mm. these two witnesses. Sorry, six (laughs) fifty-five. I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand, two hundred, and three score days, clothed in sackcloth. Are these two witnesses Moses and Elijah? That's my question.
0: Open, open the scripture is talking about. You, what's your question? Isaac, what's your question?
1: My question comes from Genesis. Okay. Um, It says, man was made in the image and likeness. Likeness of God, God, uh
0: uh-huh.
1: Then, when the devil came to tempt Eve. Yes. He said, if you eat of this fruit, you become like God. So, Uh I want to understand. The devil knows that man was actually created in the image and likeness of God. Yes. So, what was the actual temptation?
0: Of What was the tempt?
1: Yes. No. Of Eve, yes, of Adam and Eve. So my question is, he knows that man was created in the image of God. So he suddenly knows that they eat that fruit. It's not really that they'll become like God, because they're already like God. Yes. So what was the temptation, really?
0: <laughs> this is a very nice question. Because thinking about it for a moment, why did they, why, because um, God already created Adam and Eve as God, right? Like you said. And they were created in the image of God and likeness of God. So, why exactly did Eve now succumb to the temptation? And let me explain it to you. You've to understand. You know? when, when Satan was tempting Eve, Adam was not in the farm. Are you following? It's not as though he was in the farm. And then he met Eve eating the apple. Eating apple. Eating apple? Eating apple. And then he said, Eve, take no. That's not what happened. Adam was sitting right there with Eve when Satan was having this question with her. He was there. He said nothing. And another thing again was that Adam is also a problem. Let me explain why. God said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You know what Adam told Eve? Because God only spoke to Adam. Because you know, you know what Adam told Eve? Adam said, If God said, don't touch. Don't touch the tree. So look at the instructions. In your Bible, very clear. He said, don't touch the tree. So Adam already started the problem. He changed God's instruction. Yes, so, of course, when Satan was tempting Eve, you know, then what did what did them, what did them Satan ask, ask him Eve? He said, did God said don't eat? Yeah. so, he says, try it now, try. So, she touched, nothing happened. That's why she ate, because she was deceived by Satan, and that was because she did not have the right information, correct and accurate knowledge, because she had gotten it. you know that God didn't say you cannot touch, you can actually touch it, but don't eat it. Are you, are you seeing that? So now the question is then, so it's all about Satan's trick. Say, do you know that Satan even told Jesus that he was just like his boy? He wanted to trick him. That's Satan's trick. Satan will come to you and tell you that, who, who do you think you are? You are a small rat. But you are a king. You are over him. He's under your feet. But we tell you that, I'm, you, are on you, you are the one under my feet. He's tricks and lies. That's what Satan does. He has been doing it. He see, Satan is the master manipulator. He's a con artist. He knows how to deceive you. You'll eh? be a powerful guy like this. He will so paralyze you with words that you'll think, you look at yourself again and start running. That's why you cannot give into to Satan's tricks. Bible says that we are, on a, say that, say that we are aware of Satan's tricks. Satan is, is a trick master. When it comes to magician, he's the greatest magician. Trick master. He will trick you. That's what he does. So don't fall for Satan's strategies. Don't fall for his tricks. Always be on your guard. Bible says, be, be standing strong. When Satan comes against you and tell you that, "Oh, you are not good enough," no, this in fact, this this prayer you pray, you never pray enough. How, how, how does it concern you? You don't eat enough. Yeah, Satan will always tell you that the you see the, the family you came from is the problem. That's why the problem is. That's why you are broke. You see, broke in your life. You came from a poor family. That's why you are broke. Satan will lie to you. Who told you so? That said, any man that is born into Christ is a brand new person. Says all things have vanished away. Say Satan, no, I'm born from above. And in where I'm born from, there's plenty. Plenty is in that place. So plenty belongs to me. Once does that talking like this, Satan will leave you. Even Jesus himself was tempted by Satan. Satan will always try everybody. But those who know who they are in Christ will be able to stand and defeat him. Because Satan attacks with words. It's with words. And you know how demons are like? Demons will drop thoughts in your mind. You start thinking of dying. How do you think people that start thinking of dying? Oh, hi. Having the fear of death to start. He said that is dropping it. You've got to reject in the name of Jesus Christ. I reject this thought. I shall not die. I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. So you've got to use words to counter them. Are you seeing that? Don't try to start thinking something else. Attack the thoughts. Because it starts with thoughts. He will drop thoughts. He will whisper something to your ear. He will give you an imagination. You see that? He will show so you just see yourself falling, falling. I say, hey, my business is going to crumble. <laughs> That's what says doing. She says, "No, in the land of Yola, I shall eat. I shall eat of the good of this city. I shall eat of the good of this land." He say, "My eyes say, say everybody put your hands on your eye. Say my eyes are anointed. Say it again. Say my eyes are anointed to see opportunities." Say to see opportunities. Say, I shall eat of the land of Yola, of Nigeria, and all around the world. Do you see it now? So you got to learn to talk because because this, this word affect your mind. They affect your spirit, and your spirit will begin to ensure that these words come to pass. They come to pass. This is how you can speak your wife into creation. You seen that you can speak into creation. You can speak, not all this um, um, rubbish speaking. I want a fat wife, teen wife. Don't no, have nonsense. I'm talking about the inner qualities, things that you cannot buy, the things that you cannot see, things that are inside. You can speak them into, in, into creation. You can begin to speak. You can, In fact, you can create your destiny 20 years from now. And then you just walk right into it. You can build your house with your words. Hallelujah. I remember then, this the same thing that we did my wife and I. We used to talk. Talk things. and we don't see don't think that you can anything you can handle with your pocket is not fit. Do you understand? Anything, anything you can do with your bank account, that you don't need faith for it anymore. And that, and in fact, that is even works. It's not grace because grace means that it's beyond you. You see that? So I need grace. So, for instance, when we are doing image, we don't we don't um, we don't talk based on what is in our pocket. We talk what we want to see because we have a big God, that's right. and He can supply. And that's the that's the life of the Christian. You have to keep. <laughs> Releasing your faith for big things. Do you understand? Some of you, for instance, you have never seen one million in your life. Eh? And then somebody is saying, there's a land of one million to come and buy. And I say, I don't have the money. Hey! Why will you say that? Say, don't worry, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. You go inside. Start talking to yourself. Say, I will sign checks for one million in the name of Jesus. Talk it, talk it until it enters into your spirit. One day, you will remember these words you were saying back then. You will think you are just talking and wasting time. Five years down the line, you will be the one. They tell you, this same land is one, analyze one million. Say, send me the account number. And then you transfer it. But it starts now. Now is the time to start. See that? What do you want to see happen in your life? What type of marriage do you want? What type of children do you want? Start speaking them. Speaking them. Say, I don't want dumb children. No some people have dumb children. You know that? Or you don't know? Okay. Every every children is wise. I will not argue with you. Speak what you want to see. Hmm? Some people have foolish husbands, some people have foolish wives. Say, Father, no foolish wife will come near me in Jesus' name. I have any anywhere that comes come into my life will be a woman of wisdom. In fact, I'm wiser than me in Jesus' name. So you're going to speak. You're going to amen. Don't speak for you. Don't speak your own. I'm speaking my own. You're saying amen for me. Thank you. I receive your amen. Thank God. God has given me a wise woman. Glory to God. <laughs> so you've got to say what you want to see. I seen that. Talk, learn to talk to your business. You enter your business, because are not coming for the past two weeks. I just stand say, Oh, what is happening? No, hey, lock the shop. Because lock the shop. Enter, kata Then I see because you got to speak in tongues. You know why? So that words or prophecy will come from inside. The spirit of God will drop the word for him to see. Then, you, as it drops, start speaking them. Start speaking them. If after you have done it, it's as if you're not doing anything. Eh? Tomorrow, you say, Well, continue again. I'm telling you, continue. You'll see the results. One day you will come to your show. you won't be tired of work. Maybe flood, flood the place like this, you'll be tired. Then, then, then that's when you know that. Now the Bible says, enlarge the coast. Now, say, now it's time to bring more people inside. You start hiring more staff. That's how it happens. And then before you know, think of, don't just think of um, one location. Start thinking of 10 locations. You see that? Start thinking of expansion. These that's that's, are the things with God. God's not limited by your small room. You can have a small room today, but you'll be in a mansion tomorrow. Glory to God. So don't despise, you know, like Bishop was saying, don't despise the date of little beginnings. Don't despise it. Don't say, um, this, ah, this, uh, this thing is so terrible. No, don't despise it. This is seed time. We are in our seeding time. And you see, the power of a seed is not in the size. A seed may be so tiny like this, but when it starts to grow, it can become a forest. Do you see that? So, practice talking. Learn to talk words. Don't just talk rubbish. Hey, Alpha, Alpha, Alpha. You hear that thing for Facebook? What's happen. All those G's that you are just First, they don't bring money to your bank account. First, they are not fruitful discussions. So instead of wasting your time talking, shoo, 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 and be carrying people down, spend time talking the word. Somebody will say, ah, What are you saying? So they say, oh, what you don't so think you are running mad. No problem. Very soon they will understand that the madness that you are running now is for your future. Ten years down the line. You know, there was a friend of mine that came in the other day. Um, Mika, you're here, right? He came to my office. You know what he said to me? He said that, he came here to see me in my office already. He said that, ah, now I'm seeing the things that you were seeing those days in university. Because he was one of my roommates. The they way I used to talk, one day he said that you are talking as if you own the whole world. Because I used to say that I own, the, I said the whole world is mine. I said the whole world is mine. That's what I used to say on campus. Every day I said, the whole world is mine. <laughs> so now I said, wait, you, the whole world is you like this. <laughs> and that time even, even we won't fight I wouldn't have. I said the whole world is mine. I said, Why? I said, Because I'm Abraham's seed. I'm a king. That's why I used to talk. I used to sit. And I used to say things they are here, they'll hear. So that no one thing that you know, hear so that tomorrow they will see it happen. And now there is a weakness of these things. Some of them I know somebody by calling by if they ask if if ask them about me, they'll say, Ah, that guy on campus, he ready to talk, 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 talk. He'll be saying big things that are bigger than his age. But now they are seeing the fruits of the speaking. So, talk, um, Christians who don't talk do not win in life. Talking Christians are winning Christians. If Satan has destroyed this it, because you don't talk, talk. Satan will attack you, attack it, you. You keep, keep quiet. You don't keep quiet, you don't chicken out. See, even when it comes to the seat of the spirit, don't be, a, don't be womanish. You can be a woman, but don't be womanish. Don't be, ah, stand tall and speak. Are you saying that you can be a woman with fire? You can be a man with fire. So learn to talk, learn to talk, learn to change what you are seeing. If you don't like what you are seeing, change it with your words. Because that's how God created the world. When there was chaos, what did God do? Did God start carrying with barrel and, 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 and cement? Eh? you saw carry caterpillar? Say, ah, let's go and rebuild the earth. Then God now work like this. Let's go and rebuild the earth with my angels. Bible says, He said, let there be light. And what happened? He says, light. In fact, God didn't even speak that plenty word. He just say, light be," said, and there was light. So when when God saw darkness, what what did He say? He said, "Light." So when you when you when, you, when you, tomorrow night you are going out and your side pocket, Ha-ha. even there are no day, then you check your account, you are seeing two one. In fact, you are even owing the bank minus two hundred and something. <laughs> Don't start sitting down there and thinking about your life. Oh God. Why is my life like this? No! When, there is, when you are down, when everything is down, say in the name of Jesus, I'm lifted. Say I walk in plenty. I walk in prosperity. Two for seven in the name of Jesus. Brokenness has no, brokenness will not find my location. You see that? You say amen for me. Thank you. i like to me. You saying amen for me. Don't, as, as I'm talking, be talking your own. No? I am, so because you I'm want, you want talking I'm talking for me. I don't prophesy to you. I'm talking for me. Brokenness has cannot find my location in Jesus' name. See that? I walk in abundance. I walk in plenty in the name of Jesus. I see opportunities. Money comes to me from every location, in every currency, from every location, from the whole world in the name of Jesus. I receive money from the north, south, east, and west by the power of the Holy Spirit. People will give me money for free in Jesus' name in large quantities. In large quantities, Hallelujah! Amen. I was just talking about. I was talking to myself. So if I don't talk you home, so that's how to talk. So if when you're talking like this, say the same things I'm saying, because they will produce the same results in your life. Are you seeing that you are anointed to create things? Say I'm a creator. I'm a creator. Say I'm a creator. I'm a creator. So whatever you see happening in your life, who is responsible for it? You you are the you created it. So stop saying it's the devil. It's the devil. It's you. So you've got to change what you are seeing. Glory to God. I'm answering your question, here. Eh? Your own. Pick it up next week. We're out of time. Uh, so my question for you tonight is why did God, why did um, Ananias and Sapphira die? For just telling the lie. Have you done know what they did? They lied. But Christians are lying today and they've not died. <laughs> and. Ananias and Sapphira, they're in the book of Acts chapter 5. They're in New Testament. Not Old Testament. New Testament. After Christ have died, resurrected and the apostle... I have a question for you. Why did Ananias and Sapphira die? And Christians who are Christians today, in fact some of you even today. Why have they not still died? That's my question for you. Since I still have a question, I'll ask you a question. Have a question. You, want, you want to answer? Ah, give me the mic. Hey, so Peter, I say Peter is a killer. <laughs> he killed him with his words. <laughs> what this? Okay, that's your answer. Anybody else another answer concerning that? Any other person? No other person, right? So please, this is your homework. Go and find out. Next, we are going to ask you. One by one. do So I'll ask you. But that answer is not substantial enough. So you still need to go back. It's not substantial. Yes? Okay. He said, you look at it, right? The moment Ananias heard these words, he fell over dead. Everyone was terrified when they heard what had happened. So Ananias died, Sapphira died, and his wife too. Same day, two of them died. So why did die? I telling a lie. Somebody said they lied to the Holy Spirit. But people have been lying to the Holy Spirit. You know what? Do you, do you know I say so? Let me, tell why, let me tell you why I know so. I'm a pastor. Somebody will say, Pastor, I'm, I'm vowing to give twenty thousand naira. If you we'll write it, I'll give twenty thousand naira. Hmm? In two months, I'm pledging. Two months will pass. They will not even 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 one naira. They not do. One year will pass. In fact, you will not think that God has forgotten, or God just passed it on. And this person lied to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you understand. And of course, we will never call you. I say, hey, brother, do you remember that promise you promised us in the church? We have not seen demonio, We will, n- we will never do that. <laughs> we will never do that in this place. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, people lie. They lie to the Holy Spirit, they lie to God. So, why? This is a very, very important question we need to answer. So, next week Sunday. The- I say next week Sunday. On, the- on Tuesday, we'll answer it. Remember, on Thursday, please, I would like to see all of you come for outreach. Let's go and win others to Christ. Let's share flyers available invite people to the house of God. How many of you will be here on, on Thursday? By 4.45. See, two, see. Raise your hand now. Uh-huh. Raise it above your head. Yeah, these are the honest ones. Yeah, yeah, some of you are smiling. You, are see, you, are see, uh, no, now you don't want to lie. I'm, I'm talking about lie now. You don't want to lie now. But who will raise your hand? I'll call you. not see them. All right, then on Friday we're going to be praying by five p.m. Praise the Lord. And then if you also have prayer point or prayer request, you want us to join you in faith, let's have it as well. We'll pray on them on Friday intensively as well on Friday. And on Sunday, do not be late to church. Tell your neighbor, do not be late to church, and don't come alone. <laughs> Tell them again, don't come alone. Don't be so selfish. Tell the person, be loving, be kind. So bring bring at least one person to church on Sunday. Is that okay? Let's do that. Hallelujah.